on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Spaz Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, and this will probably be the shortest episode of WWE last week. I can give you everything is just bullet points this week. Everything is just bullet points this week because it feels like we're in a two-week-long go-home show, does it not? Uh, Raw 30 is a big event. Royal Rumble is a big event, and if you watch NXT, then uh, Vengeance Day is a big event. So you've got Raw 30, week later you've got Royal Rumble, week later you've got um, Vengeance Day. So it feels like this week, Raw and SmackDown, ironically, was the go-home show to Raw 30, which is the go-home show to, uh, to the Royal Rumble. So everything, everything is a bullet point. So you'll have to excuse me for this uh, podcast potentially being really short. I do want to throw in a couple quick programming notes as well. As you guys know, I don't do WWE last week on the week of a pay-per-view because anything I was going to say, I would say in the pay-per-view preview, but I'm making an exception in this case. Depending on how Raw 30 goes, I may come up with a solo video just with my reactions to Raw 30 if anything huge happens. Also, I've brought back Flix Fix in a little bit of a different way, gave you guys a review of the movie Megan, and for the first time, I've started doing uh, trailer reaction type stuff. So I did a trailer reaction for the movie Sick. I'm really looking forward to Scream 6, so I did a trailer reaction for that as well. Please go check those out. Please throw it in the comment section down below if you guys are enjoying those or not, because I'm having a lot of fun with them. So, as I say... Gonna be a short show. Let's go through the bullet points. We start on Raw, where the Usos and Solo Sokoa open up the show as they do, bragging about their uh, their beatdown on Kevin Owens last week, bragging about how they run every single show they're on. Next week, the entire, um, well, basically the entire Anawaii family, but they say the entire bloodline is going to be there to acknowledge Roman Reigns. That gets expanded on later on and through dirt sheets and whatnot. And next week, we also beat the Judgment Day, which brings out... The Judgment Day, because we know they're getting that tag team title shot against the Usos. Now, I love this. I really, really, really do. Um, it's not it's not an out there take to say that the Judgment Day and the Bloodline are the two most successful things in WWE since Triple H took over. I, I'm not going to hear this take on how Triple H just took the Bloodline from the previous administration, because it's the only time people ever give the previous administration because they don't want to say Vince McMahon um, any credit at all. But like, let's be real, the Bloodline has gotten a lot better since. Since Triple H took over the edition of Solo Sokoa, the story with Sami Zayn, which was only supposed to last like six weeks, uh, has been great. And the Judgment Day started off with Edge, started off as like the super goth culty thing, and now they're just asshole versions of the goth kids from South Park, and it's awesome. And plus we've got Prison Con Dom. Yes. So the Judgment Day comes out, they, uh... They uh, push back against the idea that the bloodline is taking over and say that actually Judgment Day runs Monday Night Raw. They ran the gauntlet. Next week, we're going to run over you and take over those nice red titles, confirming that it's only for the one set of belts, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. Uh, they talk about how, and this is actually kind of true, so I like that this is a little bit of, if it wasn't pre-planning, they've taken advantage of something that just happens to be. Um, all the times the bloodline has come to Monday Night Raw, they've never stepped up to the Judgment Day, and then, oh my god. <laughs> Dominic Mysterio, ex-con Dom, as he's dubbed by, uh, 
by uh, Damien Priest comes up. He says a bunch of prison stuff, and he says, you know what we call Usos in prison? Uso is just a wannabe essay, and Dom steps up to Solo Sokoa, which is hilarious. But as soon as Solo Sokoa tries to step up, Rhea Ripley pushes Dom out of the way, and you get this beautiful shot of a face-to-face -face between Rhea Ripley and Solo Sokoa, to which I say, WWE, please don't be cowards. WrestleMania. Rhea Ripley versus Solo Sokoa. I need to see this match. Um, it's awesome. It, go, it, it tops and tails with the, uh, the rumors that are going out, kicking around this weekend that Rhea Ripley has, been, has asked to be featured in the Men's Royal Rumble, which is absolutely fine. Um, it, it's more than fine, actually. I don't know why I said it like that. But I don't think... Because I think Rhea Ripley's going to win the Rumble. Like, if they don't give Rhea Ripley the Rumble win here, they're idiots. Like, I'm sorry. No. Oh, well, Naomi's going to come back. No, don't reward bad behavior. But It is what it is. But I don't think, if Rhea Ripley's going to win the Rumble, which they should do, I don't think they're going to give her that on top of also being in the guys' Rumble. I think it would be... Like, they're two cool things, so give a cool thing to one person and give the cool another cool thing to somebody else. And then, to end off the segment, uh, Solo Sokoa randomly gets jumped by Mustafa Ali the least welcome person in this entire segment because they've just made him a dweeb in the past little while. Solo uh, has, a, has a scheduled match against Mustafa Ali, which is fine. I like Mustafa Ali. I wish they were doing something better with him. But because they've done nothing with him and because he comes off like such a fucking pussy right now, how he's whining to uh, Dolph Ziggler, which we're going to talk about later, uh, you know, basically saying, eh, Dolph Ziggler, why won't you be my friend, etc. This was just like swat the fly away and when we got back from the commercial break that's pretty much exactly what happened it was a nice squash for solo sokoa usos returned to ringside to watch the squash uh kevin owens comes out from the back and brawls with them solo still wins with the samoan spike so even though kevin owens got involved kevin owens the number one contender for roman reigns's championship so by wwe logic the potential number two guy in the company come comes out to even the odds for you and you still lose mustafa ali you're a loser that's what it is um Kevin Owens stunners Solo Sokoa, and then there's a pull-apart as we go to commercial break once again. Kevin Owens' Solo Sokoa uh, was announced after SmackDown is happening on next week's SmackDown. So we're not going to... Like I said, I'm going to review uh, next week's Raw 30 if there's stuff worth talking about. But you won't get a, you won't get a SmackDown review from me because I'll be already working on uh, Rumble predictions. But Solo Sokoa versus... Kevin Owens has been added to the SmackDown show, so depending on what happens on Raw 30 and how things fall out there, the SmackDown that I'm not going to be reviewing could be a very interesting SmackDown, oh yes. Um, we get more Cody video package vignette things, we get the confirmation that he's going to be returning at the Rumble. That's fine, I don't mind. I, I said it on Twitter. I have no great love for Cody Rhodes, but at the same time, I can't deny he makes the most sense. He makes the most sense to win the Rumble. Like, the, your, your winners for the Rumble this year, realistically, are Cody Rhodes and Rhea Ripley, unless WWE are stupid. Now, the only reason I say that is because Kevin Owens is getting his shot uh, at the Rumble. I'm pretty sure Sami Zayn is getting his shot at the Montreal show in... Uh, in February for Elimination Chamber. I don't think, even though it would be a great cap to the story, and even though the Bloodline stuff and Cody Rhodes have not had any direct 
interaction. I don't think WWE is going to give Sami Zayn the Rumble. I really don't. Um, which is sad because he's got much more story going on with the bloodline. Cody Rhodes, yes, everybody wants Cody Rhodes to be champion. Because, oh, look, one of our AEW guys got the WWE title, except by virtue of the fact that he's not an AEW guy anymore. He's not an AEW guy anymore. That's a really fake win. So his only connection to Roman Reigns, storyline-wise, is the fact that uh, I'm back, so uh, I should get a title shot. Not taking anything away from how great his return was, not taking anything away from how absolutely insane he was to compete in that Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins with his titty hanging off. Not taking anything away from any of that. Props to him for that. I still think he's an unsufferable dickhead. And... It is what it is. He's going to win. That's fine. It is what it is. Um, Street Profits versus Alexander and Benjamin. It's a nice match. Montez Ford is completely crazy at this point. I think every week I say this, but like the more commentary tries to focus on Angelo Dawkins, the more it's just like, oh, why are they trying to hype this guy up so much? Oh, because his partner is so clearly better. His partner is so clearly better than than he is. I'm so I'm, it's just true. It's just true. Montez Ford is fucking fantastic. Unfortunate choice of partners, both in wrestling and out of wrestling, but he's he's great. Alexander and Benjamin are two dudes that I would love to see more on my screen. And obviously, obviously, um, MVP is trying to recapture some of the hurt business glory. But even him being ringside didn't get Alexander and Benjamin the win to the point where they were yelling at him after the match. So. It's not going so well, is it? Okay. Becky Lynch comes out through the crowd, because that's what you do, calls out Bailey, calls her a dope, and then we proceed to have a really, really cringe segment between both of these guys. I like Bailey. I like Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, if Rhea Ripley wasn't a thing, Becky Lynch should win the Rumble. That's, that's another story for another day. But here's two characters that I like. And they had a cringy fucking segment. Anyways, calls out Bailey, calls her a dope. Uh, Bailey comes out, sends damage control to the back. They make a lot of Karen jokes. They talk about their um, how uh, Bailey peaked back in 2015. Talk about a lot of NXT lore. Uh, basically, there's a steel cage match challenge thrown down for next week. And if I didn't know that they were trying to promote this anniversary show next week, I, my thought would immediately be. Why the hell aren't we doing this at the Royal Rumble? But I'm sure Bailey and Becky Lynch both want to be in the Royal Rumble. Ali backstage, cheap shots, Dolph Ziggler. So I guess that's a feud because he ruined his U.S. title shot a while ago, and then he didn't want to be partners with him afterwards. Really, really lame. Um, sorry, I didn't mention before in the earlier uh, during after the video package for Cody coming back to the Royal Rumble. We also had an interview with Elias saying he was entering the Royal Rumble. MVP promises that uh, if Elias accepts his challenge tonight, he'll be facing the winner of the Royal Rumble. So when we play up this thing, it's like, oh, MVP is going to get in and have a match himself. It's like, no, clearly MVP is going to be introducing somebody else because MVP doesn't wrestle. I mean, I'm sure he can. I'm not putting the guy down. But his role for the past little while has been a managerial role. So it's Elias versus the returning Omos. Yay. So Omos squashes... Uh, Elias and Omos breaks the guitar and damn I just I, I can't I can't with Omos Omos is a great guy you could have a great spectacle like okay put him up against like another big guy X type thing but that's literally all he does 
Judgment Day, uh, represented by Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest uh, versus the Alpha Academy because Finn Balor is busy later on in the evening. I haven't said it yet, but there is in the main event tonight a six-pack challenge, an elimination six-pack challenge, and the winner will face Austin Theory for the United States Championship on Raw 30, or Raw is Triple X. Now, I should say, oh, oh, they just put Triple X in there uh, because it, it, it's a porn thing. Um... You're, you're all children, <laughs> is, is what I can say to that. Triple uh, X is literally a Roman numeral for 30. It's not like WWE doesn't have a history of using Roman numerals for their special events. I mean, look at most, if not all, WrestleMania logos. But also, Triple X is a very, very underrated Vin Diesel movie franchise. Triple H is also a faction from the old days of TNA. Triple H doesn't have, or sorry, Triple X doesn't have to mean porn unless that's what you've got on your mind. So way to out yourselves, yo weirdos. Anyway, Judgment Day, Dominic and Priest take on the Alpha Academy. It's a very predictable push for the Judgment Day. Alpha, Alpha Academy make Judgment Day look like a million bucks. I mean, Chad Gable, mostly, let's be real. Uh, Gable's wrestling completely blocked by Priest, just because Priest is so much bigger, he can overpower him, he can block a lot of stuff. A second rope south of heaven and a dead pin by Dominic gets the win. Dominic Mysterio gets ragdolled, and he basically lies on uh, on Chad Gable after the after a second rope south of heaven and a regular south of heaven the dead corpse of Dominic Mysterio just on top of Gable gets the win but it's sort of meant to be a preview of what's going to happen next week Damian Priest in the gauntlet last week was a monster he was not replaced Finn Balor got replaced after the injury etc Dominic was thrown in uh, to make that part of the story work but Priest himself I think wrestled for a solid 51 minutes or something like that so the idea being okay, this is going to be a fun match next week, but the story is going to be Damian Priest carrying uh, ex-condom. Eosky takes on Mia Yim. Dakota Kai is obviously out there with Eosky, so Candice LeRae is out there to back up Mia Yim. Uh, back and forth on the apron a lot. There's a hangman by Sky, a flying armbar into a crossface by Sky, a wheelbarrow suplex by Yim, and eat defeat, and Yim gets the win. All four women in the ring. Codebreaker Candice LeRae stands tall. Candice LeRae is not technically in a group with Mia Yim. She's not in the group that is being featured as a group. She, on her own, stands tall after a brawl with Eosky, Mia Yim, and uh, Dakota Kai. Don't know how to think about that, because I don't think they know what they're doing yet with, uh, with Candice LeRae. Other than the weird sort of group skits they have backstage with Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. The... WWE. Here's the thing. Separately, I like Candice LeRae. I like Johnny Gargano. I like, you know, Austin Theory. I like Indy Hartwell. I like Dexter Loomis in small doses. I like Tommaso Ciampa if we ever see him again. But either do some DIY stuff or get off the pot. Either do The Way, or at least something that winks, or winks and nods in the direction of The Way from NXT, or get off the pot. It is, literally, and it's kind of like what I said earlier uh, with the Becky and Bailey segment. Here's two wrestlers that I have a lot of respect for. Please do something better with them. With these guys, you know they're hinting towards uh, revamping or um, reinvigorating the way, or DIY, because Johnny's also mentioned Tommaso Ciampa a couple of times. In both of those scenarios, it's either shit or get off the pot. And I know that that's an overused cliche, but in this case, it really, really really, really does make sense, and it really, really is appropriate. Bianca Belair comes out. Oh, good. Somebody gives 
Bianca Belair, a microphone. Hmm. I put that person on a shelf next to the person that thought she needed to carry the belt this long. But anyways, uh, they replay the beatdown from Alexa Bliss from all of two weeks ago. She asks the crowd if they've missed her. She's been gone two weeks. It's fine. She does a whole promo about how wonderful she is and how she's a fighting champion. And look at all I've overcome, even though the world's been handed to me on a silver platter. Um, she lays out a Royal Rumble challenge to Alexa Bliss, which is accepted. And then they brawl. And then, kind of a cool thing, they brawl into the crowd. And Uncle Howdy shows up in one of the uh, crowd entrances. Smoke, mirrors, the whole fucking bit. What I love about this, what I really, really do love about this, is the elect the twisting, the sort of twisting Alexa Bliss DDT on the floor. Bianca Belair eating shit super hard. And what is the crowd chant? For the big, you know, conquering baby face, Bianca Belair gets dropped on her face on the concrete and the crowd chants one more time. WWE, please get the hint. Please get the hint. I'm not saying everybody has to be a fan of Alexa Bliss. I know, she's white and blonde. How dare she be successful? Nobody has to be a fan of the spooky stuff. That's right up my street. I know I'm, I'm pretty much alone in that regard. But you're the one you keep shoving down everybody's throats as this all-conquering babyface that really hasn't, you know, done much of note in the past ever, other than, you know, benefit from identity politics. Your number one babyface got dropped on her face on the concrete and the crowd chanted one more time. Please get the hint. Tazawa is in the back and he's up in Adam Pierce's face and he wants to be in the Royal Rumble. Adam Pierce, I don't know how he did this with a straight face. Uh, well, you can't just decide you're in the Royal Rumble. That's a decision that has to be made. You gotta show us something. You gotta earn your way into the Royal Rumble. And yes, I understand why people roll their eyes at this because everybody else comes out and just declares and then one or two people actually have to. Ricochet had to beat Top Dollar before uh, he was allowed in the Rumble. And that's... They do that knowingly, by the way, for people that don't get it and people that fake rage on the internet about stuff like this. They do that intentionally. They do that to wind you up. They do that to make you boo, to make you cheer, to make you... Because you know what happens when you go complain about it on Twitter? WWE Trends. So what are you going to do about it? Um, he says, okay, I'll find you an opponent for tonight, and then depending on how you do tonight, I will, uh, I'll think about it. It's one of those, I'll, uh, what's the cliche line? I'll take it under consideration. And, um, says I was out there not knowing who his opponent is going to be, and he's the first opponent for Bronson Reed, who's, who successfully kind of distanced himself from The Miz last week, which I'm kind of happy about. But... Tazawa was thrown to the wolves here, is he not? Um, Tazawa versus Bronson Reed, and let me just say, body avalanche, corner splash, rolling crossbody. Um, Tazawa gets a head scissor and a suicide dive out there, but Reed still owns him. Those are his only two flashes of offense. Eventually, the tsunami gets the uh, gets the dupe for Bronson Reed, so he's not on the graphic yet. I don't know if Tazawa's going to just end up in the Rumble anyway. That'll be funny. Uh, I have to believe that Bronson Reed is in the Rumble, because I'm going to say... Of all the callbacks, I mean, there's been the big ones, like the the, the arrival of Damage Control and Karrion Cross, Bray Wyatt, uh, all these types of things, all these comebacks that have come back. Low-key, one of my favorite comebacks, or one of the comebacks I'm most excited to see, I should say, is that of Bronson Reed, because Bronson Reed is a fucking star. Not maybe somebody that's going to main event WrestleMania in four months, but give it a year or so. Who knows? I really like Bronson Reed. I like the little bit of stuff that he did as Jonah in Impact. I didn't see him in New Japan, and I know that makes me a bad wrestling fan. It makes me uneducated, but I'd rather just 
you know, watch the shit that's happening here, because theoretically, if I watch the shit that's happening here, I can go to the stuff that's happening here. Let me tell you, in, uh, in a week, I'm going to a Destiny show. In two months, I'm going to WWE Live. In three months, I'm going to Impact Rebellion. Now, I will tell you, uh, for the fact that I fell off watching TNA and started watching again when it was Impact, the last time I was at an Impact slash TNA pay-per-view, it was about 10 years ago or so, and it was a pay-per-view that I can't even remember the name of in Peterborough. And if you don't live around here, that's not going to mean anything to you, but it ain't downtown Toronto. And uh, <laughs> I... I've got so much wrestling here that I'm looking forward to this year. It's it's uh, it's wrestling season in Toronto. Like I say, Destiny, WWE, Impact. And none of these shows, and sometimes a combination of these shows, did not cost me as much as Tony Khan thought I was going to pay for a ticket to Rampage. Fuck off, Tony Khan. Oh, yes. Um, so, yeah, Tsunami, Reed gets the win. I hope he's in the Rumble, etc. And then we have the main event, which is a six-pack challenge, number one contendership for Austin Theory's United States Championship next week at Raw 30, or Raw is XXX, for those of you that want to still be weird about it. Uh, theories on commentary. Uh, Rollins pins The Miz with a stomp. Rollins pins Ziggler after a pedigree. Uh, MVP and Omos show up at ring size as a shotgun dropkick and a coup de grace and a near fall for Balor. Uh, stomp. Rollins pins Balor. Omos takes out Rollins. Spear by Lashley. Uh, spear by Lashley who pins Corbin. A belt shot by Lashley. Or sorry, a belt shot to Lashley by Theory. Rollins hits a stomp on Omos and then goes outside to take out Theory. Takes his eye off the ball. Gets a spear by Lashley and Lashley gets the win. Why is Lashley all of a sudden in the United States Championship picture again? I don't know. Now, supposedly, supposedly, they're thinking about doing Lashley, Lesnar again at, the, at WrestleMania. This really bums me out because if Lashley ever, and I don't think it's going to happen for the record. I don't think Lashley's ever going to get involved in a mid-card title feud. But if you are going to involve La uh, sorry, Lesnar with a mid-card champion, it should be the other rumor. It should be Brock Lesnar trying to take the Intercontinental Championship off Gunther, because at least that's something we haven't seen before. The idea being that supposedly Bobby Lashley's going to get the United States Championship back. Look at him, look at Theory. I wonder why. Um, but then Lesnar is going to randomly show up and challenge him for WrestleMania because Austin Theory is going to face John Cena. I don't know if I'm interested in any of that. From an entertainment point of view, I am much more interested in the prospect of John Cena versus Logan Paul. Not because I think it's going to be a five-star match in the Tokyo Dome, brother, but because I think that match will be absolutely hilarious. They're two cartoon characters. Let them fight each other, and that way they don't have to divert attention from anybody on the active roster who's trying to do active roster things. Now, I will say, for the record... There was a thing put out, and those of you that follow me on Twitter, a lot of people saw it, a lot of people commented on it. Um, there's people out there that want the Hurt Business to be a bigger thing this time, uh, managed by MVP. Uh, and there's, there's a really, really good, I think it's a Tom's Customs graphic, although I could be wrong, and it's the Hurt Business with MVP in the center, with um, Cedric Alexander, Shelton Benjamin, Omos, Bobby Lashley, and a heel Street Profits, because Street Profits have struggled for a win for a long time. Um, 
And then MVP came on Twitter. It came on social media. This is super unfortunate because I really like MVP, so I don't like shitting on the guy. But basically, he came out and he was really, really upset by all this. And he's like, oh, so all you racist fans want to shove all the black people on the roster into one faction. And I'm like, first of all, <laughs> first of all, there's way more people of color in the WWE than those six people. And I think my response had like a ridiculous amount. It was like 15 other people. I'm not going to remember all the names because that's not the point. The other thing about it is, is here's the deal. MVP has, has a, an existing relationship with Almas, an existing relationship with Lashley, an existing relationship with Cedric Alexander, an existing relationship with Shelton Benjamin, and has been very closely tied to the people targeting the Street Profits, who are having a struggle, who are not having a very good time right now, and in their desperation could very easily be turned by a manager as charismatic as MVP. So there is... A, a string that connects all these characters. That's why people are saying, wouldn't they make a powerful force? Also, the people saying, hey, this should be the new Hurt Business, what could they possibly be saying? They could possibly be saying, hey, Lashley and MVP were a really good team. Like people said, it was as good a manager pairing as Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. People were saying, oh, you know, Omos and, and MVP is a really good... Uh, is a really good pairing because Omos isn't that great on the microphone and MVP can help compensate for that. He, they were saying, hey, Shelton Benjamin is somebody that we've respected for a long time. That guy deserves more TV time. Cedric Alexander is another guy that we really, really respect. Maybe they were one of the ones in the crowd at the Cruiserweight Classic chanting, please sign Cedric at the end of his first match in that tournament. And hey, maybe these guys are saying, hey, we really, really like the Street Profits. They're not going anywhere right now. Maybe a heel turn is something good for them. Maybe they can get, maybe they can collectively get the rub from somebody as awesome as MVP. And if they do turn heel, it might be more advantageous for them to, to, uh, to tell the story that they turned heel to become part of something bigger. But no, MVP, and I and like I say, I hate to say this because I like MVP. I respect him a lot. I liked him as a wrestler back in the day. Had to do what people online do and just look at things from that perspective. And I just think that's really sad because what you've done is you've taken the idea of wrestling fans, the fantasy booking of wrestling fans. And I'll tell you something for free, right? Wrestling fans don't care, don't um, don't fantasy book wrestlers that they don't care about. So if wrestlers are fantasy booking this big large faction with all these people, then they probably have something really positive to say about all the people involved. You don't fantasy book, uh, I don't know, James Ellsworth. You don't fantasy book Lana. You don't, people who are really weird and hateful, don't fantasy book Eva Marie. We don't fantasy book uh, Nia Jax and Tamina. We don't fantasy book. I like anybody else you can mention. Like you don't fantasy book people you don't care about. So here's these people that clearly like the wrestlers involved and are trying to come up just for fun even. Just start a conversation about these wrestlers that they like, that they would like to see more things for. And you're going to shit on that enthusiasm and not only shit on that enthusiasm but call call those wrestling fans racist for liking those wrestlers and wanting more for them. That's really weird.
That's really weird, and that's a really disappointing take, like I say, from MVP, who, I'll say it again for what it's worth, is, is a wrestler that I really enjoyed. That's super unfortunate. So I'm going to take a second, I'm going to take a breath, and I'm going to be much more positive when we talk about SmackDown. Sorry, guys, before we talk about SmackDown, I'm going to mention NXT, only to mention how little there is to talk about on NXT. Um, the only things to mention from NXT this week are that Tyler Bate had his comeback match against Big Body Javi. That was a lot of fun. And we've added a triple threat tag team match to the Vengeance Day card, which is the New Day taking on Pretty Deadly, taking on Gallus. Now add that to the uh, triple threat for the Whitman's Championship with Roxanne Perez, JC Jane, and Gigi Dolene. Add that to Wesley versus Dijak for the North American Championship and add that to the cage match of uh, Grayson Waller versus uh, Braun Breaker for the NXT Championship. And that card is not looking too bad. It's not going to set the world on fire. They're sort of painting within their own lines. I get that. But for their first outing, uh, back out into a proper arena in a long-ass time other than other than stand and deliver, it's not looking like too bad of a card. Now, flipping gears back to SmackDown, this is, again, much like I said about Raw, it's a very bullet point show because they very much built this entire show around the, uh, the the number one contender tag team tournament thing for the SmackDown number one contendership. Now, if this doesn't tell you that, you know, they're splitting the belts, which is unfortunate because we heard rumors that they were just going to get blackstrap versions of the current belts and give them one belt to carry... I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know if there is a tag team on the roster, even though there's a lot of them that I enjoy and find entertainment in. Um, the Usos are the tag team in WWE right now. They are. I don't know. So anybody you you try to build up with this tournament is just going to be like, yeah, but they're going to lose. It's uh, it's unfortunately like the Kevin Owens thing at Royal Rumble. Like, there's a lot of good storytelling here, and there's a lot of really good promise here, and people are behind Kevin Owens and all that kind of thing. But everybody's kind of looking at this as, as like, we're coming up to the title match at Rumble and saying, okay, where's the bloodline story going to go? Like, nobody is even starting the sentence with, hey, do we think Kevin Owens is going to win? Because he's not. Judgment Day. There's a lot of cool storytelling to do with Judgment Day takes the Raw Tag Team titles. Um... It makes more sense, if you're going to have Usos go 50-50 and lose one and win one, it makes more sense for them to lose the Raw titles and hold on to the SmackDown titles, because they are SmackDown guys, and Bloodline is a SmackDown thing. Which is why why Bloodline and Judgment Day coming together is such a cool thing, is because Judgment Day is a Raw thing. Bloodline is a SmackDown thing, so we're getting all the best parts of like bragging rights slash old-school Survivor Series without actually calling it that. Um, so we got the tag team tournament, so whoever wins this tournament, I think, is going to fail at getting the SmackDown titles, and Judgment Day are going to take the Raw titles, and that'll, that'll stop the sort of bleeding over, pun intended, of the bloodline over into Raw, because the reason they can do that right now is because they're the tag team champions for both shows. So, I don't know, I, uh... You're setting up a team to lose when we know if they if the if the Usos are going to lose at all, it's going to be the Judgment Day, and it's going to be uh, tonight actually. As you guys are listening to this, going out Monday morning, um, this is this is the one that they might lose. They're not going to lose the tag team championships on SmackDown anytime soon. Anyways, we start off with the Bloodline arriving. Um, Sami Zayn giving like high fives and handshakes and fist bumps to everybody, except he doesn't get one from Roman Reigns. Yeah. Um, 
In the ring, starting off the show, we got Drew McIntyre and Sheamus taking on the Viking Raiders. And what do you want me to say? Big boys slapping man meat. Drew McIntyre and, and Sheamus get the win because they're bigger stars. So, of course, they do. People, again, weird on Twitter because Sarah Logan has a job. Oh, dear. They, I didn't even notice this until somebody, until I read this on Twitter. They're like, oh, my God, she's so fucking gross. She's not even wearing shoes. And I'm like, okay. Matt Riddle, Speedball Mike Bailey early days Rusev, um, a lot of other Samoan wrestlers in the past all wrestled barefoot. You're just being strange. You're sad that somebody you don't like has a job. Or you're sad that somebody that dares to disagree with you on something that has nothing to do with wrestling has a job in wrestling. Stop being weird. Something's bumping around, around the house. That's awesome. Probably got picked up on the microphone, too. Anyways, um, so yeah. So people are being weird to Sarah Logan, that's fine. Drew and McIntyre, or sorry, Drew and Sheamus move on in the tournament. LA Knight comes out ripping into Wyatt some more. He takes on some random jobber while the Titantron is glitching one second into the match. He still hits the BFT for the win. Um, everything glitches around some more. And then we get, we get the return of the Firefly Funhouse. Now, I, I have a theory that I'm going to talk about in a second as it comes to the, uh, the Royal Rumble. But we got old cult leader Bray Wyatt in the rocking chair last week. We got Firefly Funhouse Bray this week. Uh, we're going to get The Fiend on the go-home show, are we not? Um, but anyways, we opened up the, the uh, Firefly Funhouse. Um, all the characters are there. Abby the Witch is there. Mercy the Buzzard is there. Ramblin' Rabbit is there. Ramblin' Rabbit wants to be friends with L.A. Knight. He looks like the Miz, but with muscles. And then somebody else says, who the heck would name their kid Los Angeles Knight? It's all good. Uncle Howdy shows up on the TV in the Firefly Funhouse set and says, all you needed to, all you needed from me was a little push. Which is a direct quote from like Heath Ledger Joker, which I'm absolutely fine with. I'm predicting at this point... And people are going to hate this, and I don't know if I like it either, because there's actually a live crowd there now. The Firefly Funhouse match was one of the more creative things WWE has done in a long-ass time. And that was our sort of introduction to cinematic matches in the WWE, like, being a proper focused thing. Like, cinematic matches have always existed, don't get me wrong. But the Firefly Funhouse and the, um, the Last Ride match uh, were our... Our modern equivalents of the of the cinematic matches, and it was really really well received because John Cena basically gave his entire career fictionally to that match to be absolutely raked over the coals by like Funhouse Bray. The more I think about this, the more I'm starting to think that the uh, Lights Out match, the Mountain Dew Lights Out match, which people are so upset about because how dare a company have a sponsor? Strange. Um, I think it's going to be a cinematic match, and the reason I think that is because you're going to get regular Bray Wyatt, you're going to get um, uh, Eater of Worlds Bray Wyatt, you're going to get Funhouse Bray Wyatt, you're going to get The Fiend, and maybe potentially something new. Maybe potentially something like the next iteration of Bray Wyatt. You know, he's got all the, the upside-down moth um, logos now, so you know, if you want to use the metaphor of the next Bray Wyatt is going to come out of his cocoon, or wh whatever shitty metaphor you want to use, we're going to get the next of that. Um, so there's a big part of me that thinks this is going to be a cinematic match, which won't be received well in the arena or the stadium, I'll tell you that much, because people bought a ticket not to watch a screen, but 
for me watching at home, it sounds like a you problem. That's that's all I got. Um, Hit Row take on uh, Los Lotharios, Top Dollar yelling at Michael Cole throughout the match for talking about the botch from like three weeks ago. I don't really blame him for that. It was a decent showing for the Lotharios as well. Hit Row gets a cheap shot and a roll-up with the tights. And uh, it's confirmed for us that next week that Hit Row is going to take on Drew and Sheamus. So they're going to die next week. It is what it is. Um, Charlotte comes out, calls out Sonya Deville for all her shitty behavior last week. Oh, you attacked me because uh, your boss wouldn't give you another... All right, so I'm not exactly sure where my recording stopped there, but I think I was talking about Charlotte and Sonya in the ring. Um, basically calls out Sonya for all her bad behavior, trying to get another title shot by attacking her. You know, it's very, uh, it's very AEW, that. Um, if you got something to say to me, say it to my face. Sonya comes out, and here's the thing. Performative people online will say nobody wanted Charlotte to come back. Remember, remember that dichotomy a little while ago? If if Sasha Banks comes back, she's gonna save the division, and if and if Charlotte comes back, she's gonna ruin the division. Nobody wants Charlotte back. Well, she gets cheered. Sonya gets booed. Sonya gets you suck chance. Sonya gets you tapped out chance. Um, Charlotte basically looks her in the face and says, "Hey, I took my shot and won. You took your shot and lost. Like, what? Why should you get another title shot? What makes you more important? What makes you more special than the rest of that roster in the back?" They're about to come to blows. Adam Pierce comes out and says, you know, hey, fucking Sonya, I told you last week you ain't getting another title shot. Like, what the fuck is this? Momentary distraction, cheap shot by Sonya, and she runs away. So, I don't know. Do we sign Charlotte versus Sonya in, a, in like, a non-title match next week for a title match at the Royal Rumble? I don't think we need another match at the Rumble, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah, that's it. That, it is what it is. It's Charlotte basically being a babyface and a couple people online because she fits into a particular demographic refuse to see her as a babyface which is really really sad and it is sad because even if you don't like Charlotte put her up on the pedestal that she deserves to be on so that you recognize this as a sh a legitimate shot for Sonya Deville and I'm sorry I'm gonna keep saying it I love Sonya Deville uh, not only for the fact that she's been given nothing <laughs> other than that authority role a little while ago, uh, combined with what we know she's recovered from to even come back to wrestling psychologically with all the stuff that happened to her outside of wrestling. I want people to put Charlotte on a pedestal so that when Sonya reaches for that pedestal that it's a big, huge thing because I think she deserves it. I think she should be the one that dethrones Charlotte eventually. Probably not at WrestleMania, let's be real. But, like, perfect, I would say perfect backlash opponent for Sonya Deville. Um, have Charlotte, you know, make her comeback like she did. Carry that title into WrestleMania. Make whatever big WrestleMania match you want to make out of that. Have her retain, and then have Sonya waiting in the wings and have sort of that, hey, did you think I was gone moment, and then set up something for backlash. And Sonya wins, and she can show what an actual awesome wrestler she is. We get another video package on Lacey Evans, which pisses off all the right people. We focus more on the fact that she's perfecting the Cobra Clutch, which is awesome. Sort of ties into Sergeant Slaughter, which makes sense because she's also a military person. It's nice enough. I'm pretty sure her comeback is going to be in the Rumble, and that will make all the right people angry. Brawling Brutes versus Imperium wasn't much to write home about. Uh, Brawling Brutes as a tag team without Sheamus um, 
are pretty getting pretty good as a tag team. You got the combination. Normally, when there is a mixed match tag team, it's a power versus speed, or sorry, a power guy and a speed guy. This is a power guy and a technical guy, which makes for a really cool combination. Imperium get the win after being owned for most of the match. Really don't know what the deal is there, other than they probably don't want to have the brawling brutes versus the third brawling brute in Drew McIntyre. I get that, I guess. But I mean, these are the guys that all love to fight. Like. Drew and Sheamus are already the guys that make such a good team because they like fighting with each other. So you could very easily have a face versus face, um, Butch and Ridge versus Drew and Sheamus, and may the better man win. And then they all, all four of them, go out for pints, as they say, um, which could be fun, but whatever. We get a video package advertising Raw 30, Raw Triple X for you weirdos out there. And surprised by a couple of things, pleasantly, in this. Uh, cancel culture does not get its tendrils into everything, and there was a lot of McMahon family stuff in the Raw 30 video package, because guess what? If you're going to accurately celebrate the past 30 years of Monday Night Raw, you can't do that unless you include the McMahons, because, like... <laughs> What was the what was the most successful story ever? Supposedly Austin versus McMahon. You can't really tell that story unless you <laughs> unless you have McMahon in there. The other thing is they weren't shy about putting uh, former WWE stars in there. Former um, oh I don't know what you want to say like defectees to AEW in there. You see a lot of Jericho in there. You see a lot of Ambrose in there. You see a lot of Brian in there. Even uh, Jericho said it. It's not about shows. It's not about brands. It's not about this, that, or the next thing. It's a, it's about a celebration, and there's a whole lot of star power in that video package. Now, I'm sure a lot of that was tongue-in-cheek, and he's referring to himself, but it's also true if you take it at face value. So that's kind of nice to see from, from Jericho. Um... Karrion Cross in the back talking about his match next week with Rey Mysterio and how he's going to dispose of Rey Mysterio and also announcing that he's in the Rumble. Awesome! Legato del Fantasma versus the Maximum Male Models. Maximum Male Models still exist on TV, for one thing. Uh, Legato wins. Zelina Vega is hot as fuck on commentary. What do you want me to say here? Legato del Fantasma take on Imperium next week. So we've literally now transplanted a rivalry that I think existed on uh, on NXT uh, and brought it to SmackDown next week, which is fine. Um, we, we sort of sew up the show-long arc of uh, Roman Reigns gaslighting Sami Zayn. He's like, hey, I, you know, you're really mad about what happened last week on SmackDown. Why, why are you so mad about things like this? Why are you being so pissy and petty about things, and, you know, I, I, I thought you were in with all of us, why don't you, fuck it, just get out of my face, like, just go hang out with your friend Kevin, like, and it was so, like, pissy and petty and, and gaslighty, the whole thing was fine, and then he calls him back in and, and apologizes and all that kind of thing, and here we have the main event, main event is supposed to be Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, um, you're sorry, not Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns, but Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns signing the contract for their match at the Royal Rumble. And, um, oh, sorry, um, Roman told Sammy, you know, find the Usos, get the cars ready, I'm going down with Solo to sign the contract. Um, Kevin Owens comes down. He waits for <laughs> Roman Reigns' ridiculously long entrance to finish. As Roman Reigns is about to sit at the table, he hops in from the back end of the ring, kicks the crap out of all of them, uh, <laughs> takes out, takes out, the, the Usos eventually get down there, um, because they've been sent to get the car and whatever, but 
you know, KO with the element of surprise takes out everybody. Pop-up power bombs Roman through the contract table, and Sami Zayn comes out late. Sami Zayn comes out late. Now, the one side of that is, hey, is he second-guessing whether he wants to defend Roman or not? One side of that is Roman Reigns setting him up to look that way by sending him to go and look for the car and whatever. Um, now, the the um, acknowledgement ceremony, the, the entire bloodline, the family ceremony that was scheduled for Monday Night Raw, if you follow the dirt sheets, has been replaced by the tribal trial of Sami Zayn, like the Bloodline are going to put Sami Zayn on trial on Monday. Now, I don't know whether that's still going to include other people from the Anawahi family, because initially Afa and Sika and Rikishi and Samu were all going to be there, and people were speculating that WWE were falsely advertising The Rock. They never said The Rock was coming. They never said The Rock was coming. They didn't put... It's not like they had somebody go out and say, Boss and then not deliver Sasha Banks. Nobody said anything about The Rock. The Rock, ironically, has never been associated with the Bloodline faction at all. Uh, the the uh, Samoan elders have come out. Like, remember back in the COVID era when they were in the Thunderdome, uh, the Samoan elders did come out at one point and put lays on Roman Reigns and I think the Usos as well. So that is a canon thing. The Rock is not canon with the Bloodline. So go ahead and say, oh, they falsely advertised The Rock, but they, they didn't, and you're trying way too hard. So, they want to play around with why Sami Zayn took so long. Was he hesitant to help them chase after Kevin Owens? Was he just late because of uh, Roman Reigns' instructions? That's a cool story to tell. And we're going to have the Samoan, or the tribal trial of Sami Zayn on Monday Night Raw instead. What is getting lost in this whole thing is the fact that because of Kevin Owens' interruption, the contract never got signed. The contract for the title match, for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble, never got signed. That is something they need to pick up on, on Raw 30 or on the SmackDown Go Home Show. That's If they don't pick that up, that's a huge storytelling possibility failure. In my opinion. Just my opinion. So what have we got? For the Royal Rumble right now, we've got the men's and women's Rumbles matches. Right now, tentatively, we have KO versus Roman Reigns for the for the big for the big uh, two belts there, whatever they're calling them. You got Knight versus Wyatt in the Mountain Dew pitch black match. You've got Bel Air versus Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship. Um and I, I don't know whether they're gonna do something with Charlotte or not. It's I mean, they're not going to finish the SmackDown Tag Tournament, so those SmackDown Tag Titles aren't going to be on the line at the Rumble. That'll be something for after Rumble. But on the whole, the Royal Rumble looks really good. And if we look forward past that to uh, Vengeance Day, like I say, you've got Pretty Deadly versus Gallus versus The New Day. You've got Roxanne Perez versus Gigi Dolan versus JC Jane. You've got Dijak versus Wesley. And you've got the cage match with Braun Breaker and... Uh, why can't I remember his name? Grayson Waller, there we go. But, looking forward to next week, we've got on SmackDown, we've got Cross versus Ray, we've got Drew, Drew and Sheamus versus Hit Row, we've got Imperium versus Legato, and we've got Owens versus Solo Sokoa. So that's an interesting thing to look forward to after Raw 30. 
which has the Usos versus the Judgment Day for the Raw Tag Team titles, Becky versus Bailey in a steel cage, the Bloodline Acknowledgement Ceremony, which has now become the tribal trial of Sami Zayn. We've got uh, Theory versus Lashley for the United States Championship. And just because it makes people so upset, yes, we have the legends. Yes, we do. You'll be fine. We have Jerry Lawler. We have Hulk Hogan. We have Ric Flair. We have all the people that you don't want to see and that you're going to cry about on Twitter performatively. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we went through Raw 30, 30 years of Monday Night Raw, and didn't acknowledge the actual drawing stars that walked so that your little piddly, you know, acrobatic favorites could run, this would be a false show. So fuck off, get over it, or like you always claim on Twitter, just don't watch it. I dare the people, I dare the people that always say, oh my god, if this happens, I'm not going to watch it, to actually not watch it. And let the people that aren't weirdos and do acknowledge the accomplishments of the past and do want to uh, pay respect to that, a minute to actually do so. And maybe stop being strange. Just, just maybe stop being strange. That's, that's all I got. Please, as we go into Rumble season, as we go into WrestleMania season, just, just, just try not to be psychopaths. That's all I ask. Anyways, that's it. That's all. Uh, there's no WWE last week coming next week. It is Royal Rumble weekend. I'm also going to a Destiny show, so damn right I'm not doing this podcast <laughs> next week. But till then, till the next time I do talk to you guys, I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but right now I am tied up. Bye, guys.